You're listening to the Reef and Focus podcast, produced by the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority. All humans have an impact on the natural environment. We can't always be looking to one entity, um, a government or an organisation of another kind, um, to keep our natural environment safe. We can all play a role personally, individually. Um, the best way to do that is just really educate yourself. Um, know what the rules are in your backyard. There are things we can all do, and in aggregate, they make a big difference. Hello and welcome to the Reef in Focus podcast. My name's Lincoln Batoli and we're joined today by a special guest, a very busy man, but we've managed to track him down this morning, the CEO of the Reef Authority, Josh Thomas. Hello, mate. Great to be here, Lincoln. Look, we have a lot to get through today. We're going to talk 20 years of marine park zoning, which is our primary management tool, so plenty of stuff to dig into. But before we get into that, um, our guests on this program so far have included uh, science-based, conservation-based, um, a couple of expats, the United Kingdom and the US, but your backgrounds are a little bit different again. So can we start with how you ended up at the Reef Authority uh, as the first question? Sure. Um, look, that's a big question in itself. But um, look, I grew up in country New South Wales and um, moved to Canberra, fell into natural sciences, a real passion for the environment and studied natural sciences at university. And um, being in Canberra, moved into the public service where I learned a huge amount about terrestrial and marine uh, policy. So was it a career goal from the start, obviously from a um, an advocacy, if you like, point of view? Was it always a goal to, to get into this sort of work or did it sort of happen by chance? Do you remember the first time you saw the reef? Yeah, look, great, great question. I think, I think I had multiple passions and among them was environmental science. I've always had a passion and interest in government. Um, so I've brought those together almost, you know, working in government, in public policy. Um, and yes, absolutely. I saw the reef about 20 years ago and the first time I stuck my head under the water just fell in love with that underwater world. Um, and just, I, I really felt it was a special place. I mean, people use that uh, term all the time about mm. so many of Australia's natural landscapes. Um, but the reef was just truly unique to me and I just, um, I was hooked. And it seems to be a, a common theme, doesn't it? You know, 250-odd staff across the Reef Authority and lots of them didn't grow up in North Queensland or along the coast there. Melbourne-based, as we said, country New South Wales, all over the place. Mm. It, it's a big draw card. I mean, we've got people from all over the world, as you said at the start. Um, if you want to work in a marine natural environment with great rules, regulations, uh, interesting programs, working with community, there's, just, there's no better place to be. And growing up in Wagga, what does that mean come state of origin time? <laughs> well, I am a Blues supporter um, and I suffer the slings and arrows that you get up here in North Queensland. <laughs> yeah, good, so uh, you should. And we're looking forward to the season ahead. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, now, 20 years of marine park zoning, obviously it's a, uh, a topic with a huge um, sort of area to cover, if you like. What does zoning mean on the Great Barrier Reef? Can we start with that? What, is, what are the marine park zones? Look, there's a huge amount of things we do to keep the reef safe, but at the centre of it all, the foundation, if you like, is our marine park zoning arrangements. Um, I mean, to a layperson, if you consider them a little bit like town planning, it's the what you can do where. Um, so, you know, you've got commercial districts, residential districts, um, public recreation spaces on land. It's not dissimilar uh, in the marine environment. There are places you can and can't fish um, and you know, other zones that allow you to do different uh, activities. So there's a very pres prescribed set of rules against each of those. Yep. And we make sure that uh, people are interacting with the marine park accordingly. So we describe it uh, often 
as our insurance policy, as you said. But I guess when we're looking at zoning, um, we talk about the modern marine park zones um, being implemented 20 years ago, but there is a history before that, isn't there? You know, looking back to say the early 80s. It, there is. Look, Australia has this incredible legacy um, and performance track record, if you like, in how we protect the Great Barrier Reef. Back to 1981, we did have um, rules zoning in place on the reef, but it wasn't until 2004 that we saw a, I, I think it was really quite a radical expansion um, of green zones up to now 33% of the marine park being protected in no-take areas. So they're high conservation zones, you know, no extractive activities permitted. Um, and that's really a world leading example of marine spatial planning um, right here on our back doorstep. And obviously for something of that magnitude, you know, it's not an overnight process. I think at the time it was the largest marine protected area in the world, uh, but that took uh, from reading, you know, two years of planning, probably more 30,000 public submissions. So it's, there's gravity behind it, isn't it? It's a, it's a huge undertaking. There was, and it's a, it's a community effort. It's a cross-sectoral effort. Um, you know, there are always winners and losers in these processes, and there was uh, a lot of conjecture at the time as to whether or not it was the right thing to do, views on all sides. Um, but I think now, over the 20 years since 2004, we've really seen a lot of the science pointing to the efficacy um, of zoning the benefits it brings for biodiversity, uh, the improved benefits it can bring to industry through having habitat protected, stronger fish stocks, and so on. And that's the hard part, I guess, isn't it? Because, you know, while it was implemented, uh, the the impacts, for want of a better word, were immediate, but we don't see the benefits, but we're starting to see those now, which are, are really exactly what they're designed for. Can we break those down a little bit further, you know, um, the resurgence of vulnerable species, uh, things like that, why are marine zone, uh, marine park zones so effective? You're absolutely right. Look, um, anything in any natural environment takes time. It takes time to see results. You need to monitor through time to understand um, how the system's changing and what steps you might take differently to protect it. Um, so some of the impacts um, that green zones in particular, but all the zoning arrangements really have, are around... Um, stronger habitats, so stronger habitats protected by green zones are more resilient to the effects of climate change, for starters. Um, they'll bounce back quicker from cyclonic activity. Uh, more vibrant habitats can also resist or be um, more withstanding of the impacts from things like crown of thorn starfish outbreaks. Um, more vibrant network of coral reefs through the Great Barrier Reef. There are about 3,000 reefs yep. here in Queensland. Um, a more vibrant system of high-performing, high-functioning coral reefs will better connect and make the reef overall more resilient into the future. And for the average reef user, that means we're seeing things like, um, you know, more coral trout on reefs now, you know, numbers not seen sort of since the 1980s. Um, and then when these species are, are going to protected zones to spawn, we're seeing the spillover into fishable reefs, right? So uh, every reef user is benefiting, if you like. That's right. I mean, you know, immediately you might feel it's a bit of a bummer that you can't go out and fish in a particular area, um, but really those uh, protected zones are delivering benefits for recreational use, for commercial use um, of the marine park. And it is a multiple-use marine park. We do value and recognise um, the rights of fishers, recreational, commercial, and a whole range of other activities, um, shipping, sailing, diving, um, tourism activities, all permitted use of the marine park. But this zoning is there for a reason. It's to provide for that fair, equitable uh, and sustainable use of the marine park. And as we face um, 
I guess different challenges with a changing climate. It means it's protecting the reef now, and we say it all the time, but into the future as well. Absolutely. Um, and look, the, this zoning is established in legislation. We touched on the cross-sectoral interests that are involved in zoning. Um, so actually the, the permanence of the zones as they are now has been one of the biggest benefits. Um, so long-standing green zones are more effective than you know, temporary ones, for instance. Um, and we certainly see them that well into the future, they're going to be one of our best, uh, best assets in managing some of these uh, global effects from climate change. Yep. And so looking at the, uh, I guess, the nuts and bolts of the, the uh, marine park zones, who manages them? I know we talk about our partnerships across uh, multiple industries with traditional owners, governments, um, science communities. Who manages our marine park zones or is it a sort of concerted effort between these groups? It's a great question and look, the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority is the lead management agency for the Great Barrier Reef. Um, that said, we can't do it alone and I really want to recognise here our Queensland colleagues, State Government Queensland, Queensland Parks and Wildlife Service, um, with whom we manage for um, the protection of the reef on the water. So we run a joint program with Queensland, we have eyes, ears, assets out on the water, um, making sure we're engaging with the public, doing real things, real conservation activities um, to keep the reef safe for the future. Um, and in 2024 now, we're coming up to acknowledge, I guess, uh, a significant milestone of the current iteration of marine park zoning, which is two decades, I guess, in the making. Absolutely. We're really looking forward to acknowledging that milestone throughout the year, reaffirming with community the benefits that zoning brings. And I think really recognising the huge contribution made by staff, you know, present and past, um, civil society, uh, keen sustainable fishing groups, um, you know, mayoral districts and, and a whole range of other people besides that have really led us to where we are now, standing us um, in good stead for success in the future. And I guess if we touch on that or, or break that down a little bit further, the Reef Authority itself, we're coming up to 50 years and, you know, across the entire breadth of the organisation, we have some incredible people doing incredible things, but we had staff that played a significant role in the development of these uh, marine park zones, you know, dating back to the first version, I guess, in the, in the early 80s. Absolutely, and that huge amount of corporate knowledge um, is still here in Australia, um, if not in our organisation, and really um, Leeds Australia have a fantastic reputation overseas. And look, one thing I did want to touch on was um, just how strong Australia's reputation is in environmental conservation on, you know, on reefs internationally, and that a large part of that is to do with the work we do here at the Reef Authority. Um, you know, I, I really want to talk about it with humility, but it, it is true to say that there are not many examples um, like you see here on the Great Barrier Reef internationally with strong rule of law, strong resources, expert programs and an aggregation of science um, that really is all coming together to keep a huge coral reef ecosystem mm. um, well protected for the future. So what does that mean for the future? You know, we have uh, some significant roadmaps like uh, our Blueprint 2030, which guides um, how we're addressing these challenges. What does the future hold for the Great Barrier Reef? Obviously, it's a not a loaded question, but it's a broad question, isn't it, on, on how we um, manage the reef into the future. Absolutely. Look, we've got a great track record to date. Um, but like, like all organisations that are passionate about what they do, we, we never sit idle. We're not sitting on our hands. We're always looking to transform our management of the Great Barrier Reef to make sure it's contemporary and forward-looking. Uh, the blueprint you mentioned is our roadmap for how we are going to, uh, in an ever-increasing way, evolve our programs 
to be more climate focused. Um, so making sure the reef is resilient to climate impacts in the future. Um, a wonderful example that we're looking to you know, share with the world, share with other jurisdictions here in Australia and abroad. Um, one thing about zoning too, I think that's really interesting, is the Convention on Biological Diversity, International Convention about um, Protected Area Management, um, is moving towards a 30 by 30 target. So 30% of marine and terrestrial habitats protected yep. by 2030. Um, we're already doing that here on the Great Barrier Reef. So I'm really keen for us to share our knowledge internationally, demonstrate the benefits, um, environmental, economic, social, cultural, um, of having protected areas in place. And from, uh, I guess, a leadership point of view, it, it must be very humbling when you do um, talk to other marine park managers around the world that they do look to us um, to see what we're doing and how we've been successful or, or managing these challenges. Absolutely. It's, um, it is a humbling experience. Look, I've been in my role now for about five years and have just learned an incredible amount from our own staff. Uh, and when, when I see them you know, showcasing what we do overseas, it's incredibly humbling and Australians should be very proud of what we do here on the Great Barrier Reef. Looking to those partnerships a little bit further, I guess, talking to our compliance team, our field management team, we know that the vast majority of people using the reef are doing the right thing. There's a small majority that don't specifically know about zoning and what they should be doing, so it's a little bit more education uh, and a tiny majority that, that do the wrong thing. How do we not enforce that, but continue our education to make sure um, the future of the reef is in everyone's hands? Look, it's a great question. Um, that sort of goes to our regulatory responsibilities. So we are marine scientists, we're marine educators, um, you know, we share information about the reef, but we also regulate the reef. So um, the best thing people can do is really to inform themselves about responsible environmental practices uh, and work in accordance with the marine park zoning. Um, you're absolutely right. It's a very, very small majority that break the rules. Uh, sometimes it's accidental and you know, we, we deal with those in a particular way, um, but other times it's deliberate and that's a very serious offence. You're poaching from a World Heritage Area and if you break the rules in the marine park, we will get you. Yep. We have an incredibly sophisticated compliance team. Uh, they work in close partnership with other agencies, Border Force, Maritime Safety Queensland, Queensland Police, uh, to make sure that we're protecting the reef against the rules that exist. And, um, you know, we have a great track record of taking prosecutions through. So please don't break the rules. Work work with the Marine Park. Let's keep it safe for everyone. Yep. Words to live by. Absolutely. So to wrap up, I guess, the key theme from a lot of our chats with our um, Reef Authority colleagues is, um, you know, it's too big for us to manage by ourselves, if you like, for want of a better word. The reef really is in everyone's hands moving forward. It's very true. I mean, all humans have an impact on the natural environment. We can't always be looking to one entity, um, a government or an organisation of another kind um, to keep our natural environment safe. We can all play a role personally, individually. Um, the best way to do that, as I said before, is just really educate yourself. Um, know what the rules are in your backyard. Yep. Take little steps to recycle. Um, take little steps to only take what you need from the marine park when you go fishing. Um, there are things we can all do and in aggregate they make a big difference. Yep. So tying it all together, we've talked about um, the efficacy of our compliance program, field management, um, science, government partners, traditional owners, cultural connections, all of that. How does it all come together uh, as our key management tool to protect the reef? It's a great question, Lincoln. Um, the zoning really is the foundational piece for our management of the marine park, but it can't stand on its own. Um, we talked about our expert compliance program, making sure that people are compliant with the zoning. 
But it's so much more than that. We're working now with traditional owners right along the Queensland coast to improve spatial management in other ways, not just with zoning um, arrangements, but other spatial management tools to keep culture safe, to keep biodiversity safe. Um, We're working through our education and outreach programs to bring awareness to the wider community of the benefits um, and not just environmental benefits. You know, these really are social and economic benefits that come from these activities too. It's a multi-layered approach. It's all based on strong evidence, scientific um, data, and we're really proud of what we do here and we're really just uh, asking people to come and check it out. Get on our website, uh, get informed, and be part of the solutions for the future of the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, right. We really appreciate your time, Josh. We know you're very busy. We could sit here and talk about State of Origin all morning, <laughs> but we might do that again come July, hopefully. It sounds great, mate. Um, uh, I should have said before, I really am a, um, a blue supporter, but having lived in North Queensland here for a while, uh, the Cowboys have got their hooks into me, so um, I'll be watching them keenly this season. Yeah, too. no worries, mate. We've got that on camera too. <laughs> That's uh, right. Thanks very much for your time, mate. No worries at all. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Reef and Focus podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform, leave us a rating or review, and visit our website, reefauthority.gov.au, for more Great Barrier Reef content.